0: Welcome to another edition of Campus Life. As always, I'm Colin. And for today's episode of Summer School, we have a substitute teacher here while Austin's on vacation. I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, Mr. Corey P at FF underscore guitarist on Twitter, contributor for Breakout Finder, team member over at the Debbie Dashboard, and all around great guy. Uh, Mr. Corey Pereira, how are we doing?
1: I'm doing great Colin man uh, super pumped to be here you know it's it's been a pleasure watching you guys kind of kind of grow in this industry and what you guys have been doing with, with with C2C and the site I mean it's it's taken off great you guys had a great plan and I'm just happy to be uh, kind of contributing it to it in my own little way here.
0: Thanks man I appreciate that um, yeah I I wanted to have you on here for a while I mean we don't do a ton of guests on the show but you were always very high on my list of guys I wanted to get on um, like I said I was a big fan of Debbie Dispensary. Um that was uh, well, a little over a year ago. I think that one stopped out, but man, you guys were killing it. It was one of the first Devi pods that I listened to.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed doing it. Um, it just kind of faded out a little bit, uh, you know life kind of took over guys had different things going on but uh, i do remember talking to you like back in the day i think you had an old twitter i can't I it was a colin deck or something or i don't yeah, know nope. i but i do remember talking to you back in the day so yeah we've been talking for actually for for a pretty long time under the radar here i kind of pieced it all together later on when i saw your name and everything but yeah we've actually been uh, talking for quite a while here
0: yeah yeah we have i had the uh i had the old one it was uh Decker 613 yeah yeah um, that was it. That was like my personal one and then like once i started um, writing doing stuff with the site um i figured i should have like a fantasy twitter here um so kind of have i have three twitter accounts now uh well two and then the 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 main site one that i that i helped to run um but yeah, no, I, I can't believe you remembered uh, back in the day There, yeah, I was.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember. Hey, I, I don't get uh, back in the day. I wasn't getting too many interactions either. So, I mean, you and Austin actually I remember back in the day. We talked about a lot of guys that are kind of breaking out now. So it, it's yeah. cool to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, nah, well, this uh, podcast here is a part of the Fantasy Points media group, along with a ton of other great pods, including the True North Fantasy podcast, the Play to Win podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury-prone podcast with Dr. Edwin Porrist, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points podcast. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, uh, or check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points media group there. Um, so Corey, let's, uh, let's hop into some news here. We, uh, it was a pretty busy, newsworthy day here today. Um, Quinn Ewers did officially enroll at Ohio State. Uh, we were kind of expecting this, you know. Rumors kind of broke about it last week here. Um, so, uh, with the—I uh, know you're more of a Devi guy here. So, with the Debbie take on Quinn Ewers, how early are you, you looking to take him in a Devi draft now that he is officially on campus?
1: Yeah, I gotta be honest. I'm a little bit uh, QB reluctant in in Devi, especially when they're super young. I. You know, it's just my philosophy. I prefer to take somebody, take a chance on somebody coming a little bit sooner. You know, maybe in their in their junior year, their sophomore year, something like that. You know, a guy from a guy who's I guess he's looking at twenty four now, but uh, it's just hard to take a guy that far away for me. I mean, I I will take a guy like I don't know, like like Caleb Williams or something like that because you know he's he's lined up with OU. But I actually have questions about where Ewers is going to end up. I mean, because this is this is technically almost changing the college football landscape forever with this move in a sense. Right. I mean, it was actually kind of set up really nicely for OSU where they had Stroud, they had McCord. Uh, those two were going to move on and then Ewers was going to come in and take over right away. But now you've got him, you know, coming in early and now it's kind of put OSU in a tough spot where this kid's obviously going to want to start soon. Uh, but you've got CJ Stroud there, who, who was another five-star guy. And I mean, so if he, I'm sure he's going to be fine with sitting one year, but what happens in a situation where, where Stroud balls out this year? Is is Ewers going to want to sit another year and wait behind him? Are they going to go to Ewers? How do you bench Stroud in that situation? You know what I mean? And essentially, if Ewers ends up transferring in 2022, then, I mean, it just puts OSU right back in the hunt for their next guy, right? and it puts a ton of pressure on Stroud too next year. If there's any blip in the radar, first two interception game, whatever that the fans are going to be clamoring for Ewers. so I'm really hesitant on what's going to happen with Ewers right now. So I'm just kind of taking it day by day and I'm not actively pursuing him at all right now,
0: man. I am so glad to hear you say that Mm -hmm. I am on on the same front there. Now I am also pretty hesitant on QBs. Uh, They take a lot of time to develop high bust rate. So, I, you know, in Debbie, there's special circumstances where I will take a a quarterback. Um, Now, and the only time I take the quarterback is if I think their value is going to be insulated. I did that with Spencer Rattler, but right before he started, but I was like, he's the OU QB. He's still going to have some value, even if I don't like what I see. I did the same thing this year with Bryce Young. Um, I took Bryce Young. uh, I think I took him in the, at the 106 uh, in, in a Debbie draft. Um, which I think he's he's still going to be insulated in value. I think Ewers is kind of similar to that, but there's no way you're going to end up with Ewers at at the 106 with the hype. I mean, people are going to be taking him early. And then like you touched on with the Ohio State QB room, I mean, that's just, that's wild right now. It's it's crazy. Like CJ Stroud was going to be the dude. I like CJ Stroud. If he balls out this year, that's just a mess next year. Um, Or even if Kyle McCord wins the job, like uh, Matt Bruning, Keep saying it's gonna happen. <laughs> um, even if he wins it and he balls out, you know, then that's a- another guy who's in front of him, the same situation. So that whole room is a mess. I am, I'm not out on ewers. I, I will definitely take him at the right price, but I'm going to be lower on ewers than pretty much anybody else. So I'm not anticipating ending up with him anywhere if I haven't already done my uh, my drafts. Now most of mine have already taken place. I'm assuming yours kind of the same way. Yeah, and I mean, most of them have kind of taken place. And I really think that if yours has
1: taken place, there's been a lot of questions out there. Uh, Should we allow Ewers to be picked up? Should we allow Ewers in our draft right now? We're in the middle of our draft, 15th round, like all that. No, you should all just cancel that out. Don't let Ewers become part of the player pool until next year where you can draft him properly. Maybe if you haven't started your draft yet, you're kind of crazy because college is right around the corner. But (laughs) but, (laughs) uh, but, um, then maybe I can see in that situation. But otherwise, I don't think he should be part of the player pools at all this year.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think if you're a commish and you're in the middle of your draft, like you said, fifteenth round or whatever, and you let ewers get taken, like man, that's that's a tough look because yeah. that dramatically changes the 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 landscape of a league to get a caliber like that, a guy like that, that late or even off of waivers, same thing. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I think it's. I think he's got to wait till next year, unless your draft has not taken place yet. But if your draft hasn't taken place yet, the clock's ticking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's getting tight. It's getting tight. It's time to get moving. (laughs) Um, So we had uh, more news today here. There's rumors with Clemson, Florida State reaching out to the SEC, uh, maybe joining Texas and OU. Um, That was reported by Mark Ryan on air, um, somebody from ESPN and PFF. Um, I don't know. Where this rumor is going to go, but it's looking like we're going to have like a mega conference with the SEC there. And man, that is, that's just going to be wild. You're going to have Clemson, you're going to have Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, Texas, OU. Uh, all of these top tier teams, sorry, Florida state. I don't really consider you a top tier team anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I think you're just kind of riding Clemson's coattails. SEC is probably looking for two more guys and you're just kind of the next best thing in the ACC. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just going to be like a mega conference there. That's going to, uh, that could dramatically change the landscape of college football. Uh, I know we've talked about it a little bit here on this pod uh, with me and Austin, but just kind of want to get just some general thoughts for me here. Like, what's this looking like for for you, for, you know, the NCAA in the future, for the SEC, just college football in general? Yeah, I mean, we're kind of talking about like like
1: crazy things. Like college football is not going to look the same in four to five years from what we know it today, right? We're talking about guys coming in on their, in their junior seasons now in, in high school, like like Eagles, and we're talking about alignment where we're, we're going with these huge super conferences. And I, and I mean, it's going to be good for competition. You want the best playing the best, I guess, right? Like Clemson's going gonna to fit in. OU's going to fit right in. Like Florida State, I got no idea why they would want to go in there and get wrecked a whole bunch. <laughs> I mean, they can't even handle their own conference. I don't even think they've had a winning record in their own conference since like fucking 16 with with (laughs) Dalvin Cook back in the day. I mean, I don't. So I I don't know why they want to. I I mean, I get it from a financial standpoint. That's where the money is. That's where you want to go. Right. I mean, I mean, Clemson has had no problem getting national attention or getting into the playoffs or getting recruits or anything like that. So why does it does it feel like they got to move? to move I guess you know why not dominate the ACC and just never look back but I get it you, you want to play the best competition uh it's going to make a great experience for the fans I guess right I mean I'm sure the playoff format is even going to end up looking different I mean uh, we'll see what happens like they can't just uh, I mean people have talked about reserving a spot for each team in each conference can you do that when you got one super conference people have talked about expanding to 16 team so I mean I'm feeling like it's going to look incredibly different by this time in 2025.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're uh, standing at a point here where college football that we knew is going to be no more. I mean, this is just going to be dramatically different, you know, just top to bottom. Like you said, we got juniors declaring early and reclassifying all the NIL stuff. We got super conferences so yeah i mean this is just gonna dramatically change college football as a sport and i don't know if it's going to be for the better but you know i'm excited to just be, uh, you know, talking about college football at a time like this, you know, it's keeping me relevant. You know what I mean? Right. And <laughs> and I mean, from an analysis standpoint, actually, there's another angle to look at
1: this too, where if guys are coming in earlier now, we might start seeing more 20 year olds breaking the NFL, right? So maybe our age thresholds are going to change. Maybe our expectations are going to have to change, but what we expect that a guy's in college going into the NFL. So, I mean, it, everything could change from, from here on out, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, if you're an analytics guy, you know, I know breakout age is huge. You're going to have to kind of shift that down. Or um, I know Jarek's a big proponent of breakout year, um, year out of school. I think right. you're going to yeah. have to go that route at that point. If you got start having, you know, 17 year olds coming into college, you know, you're going to have to shift everything like that. So that was a great point. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll move here into some player specific news. Um, Brew McCoy, wide receiver from USC, is suspended from team activities indefinitely uh, after he was arrested on intimate partner violence charge, according to Bleacher Report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not, not good. good. No. <laughs> yeah, not a good situation. Um, Brew McCoy is a guy that was super highly thought of as a recruit, five-star guy um originally commits to usc then flips to texas and the, answers the transfer portal then comes back to usc he's kind of been all over the place but he's a guy that i know a lot of people are still on out there is this spell the end for mccoy for you are you out on him now or do you still hold out some hope here for that talented prospect
1: i mean to be honest i was never the biggest brew mccoy fan um you know, he did have a nice opportunity this year to earn a spot next to Drake London, but you know, he's kind of been on my, a little bit of my, my shit list ever since he kind of did the U the, uh, the USC Texas dance because something just didn't smell right there, right? It's almost like Zach Evans recruiting thing. You know, I always kind of have something just like, well, what was going on there? Why, why did it take so long? Why is it such a hard choice? You know, and maybe it was just an indecisive kid, you know, but something just didn't smell right, you know? <laughs> but at the end of the day, when, when I used to, you know, when I looked and studied Brew McCoy, I didn't find him that dynamic of a player, you know, and he kind of, he kind of struck me as, I know the the athleticism was apparently there, everything like that, but he kind of struck me as a big bodied possession receiver. And this is the type of receiver that the NFL is kind of trending away from, right? So it it did kind of give me worries. And now he's got this off field stuff. I mean, I'm so out on McCoy. I mean, I've never had a, I've never had a, a, a share uh, I've never recommended anybody to have a share, so, <laughs> so uh, I'm glad to be out on this. But but I am glad um, that it does give some more opportunity to the other names. You know, uh, Gary Bryant, uh, Austin's big on Michael Jackson there, who's been getting crazy hype this off season. Um, the guy I work with at the Debbie Dashboard, Brandon Lejeune, you know, he's big on Taj Washington. He's been he was a guy that I looked at this off season who played at Memphis, was really talented wide receiver. You know, gave me some. Um, I, like, I gave him a comp to Tylen Wallace, gave me some Tylen Wallace vibes. So, I mean, Jake Smith from Texas just ch- just transferred there. So there's a lot of bodies who are going to be able to to take over this role. You know what I mean? I don't really think that anybody really gets affected uh, out of USC because um, it was kind of a mixed bag coming in already, right? The ride receiver room had a bunch of questions. We didn't really know who was going to start where or whatever. A lot of people th- assumed it was going to be Brew. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I really only think this affects Brew and Brew owners because – because it was undecided to begin with
0: yeah uh i think that's that was a great point i'm i'm out on brew mccoy i was never really in on him either so we're on the same way same wavelength there and i think like you said it, it opens up the opportunity for these other guys um I, I as much as we didn't really like Brew, it was kind of seeming like he was going to be in line for one of those starting positions. Yeah, and and now it opens it up for Gary Bryant Jr. is a guy that I like a lot. I think he's gonna have a really nice year, especially if they move Drake Jackson outside. Um, you know, I mean Drake Jackson or Drake London uh, operated in the slot a lot last year. So if they clear him out and let Gary Bryant Jr. operate in the slot, I think that'll be great for him and his value you know, and then like you said, Taj Washington too, a uh, great prospect from Memphis. I was kind of down on him given the amount of other guys that were there, but with brew McCoy kind of out of the way, Jake Smith doesn't really move the needle for me. Cause he's always hurt. Kyle Ford also always hurt. I think this opens up the door for Washington too. So, you know, he's kind of stock up a little bit if any of these receivers are stock up. Um, and then, yeah, I, I like Michael Jackson, uh, the third as well. Um, yeah, Austin was the guy who turned me on to him. And, and once he did, like I was I was like, this is one of my dudes. This is one of my guys.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty upset that I actually have no no shares of Michael Jackson. There's a couple CDCs I was trying to get him, but I swear, man, Austin was talking about him too much because
0: <laughs> every time he mentioned him, he would go next in my draft. I was like, man, come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a I'm in a lot of leagues with Austin. I think I only have Michael Jackson the third in like one place. I think I got him in one league that we were in together. Cause I was just like, you know what? I gotta take him here. I you gotta really start putting,
1: you, you guys are getting too big. We're gonna have to start putting some snakes in the grass here, start <laughs> talking about some shitty prospects like some some Bo nicks and stuff like that, and get guys drafting these guys, okay? Because <laughs> our value is going out the door here. You guys are getting too big, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like Austin was saying, he was, you know, you start to see some of the ADP change on some of the guys that he's hyping up now. Also, we have our missus Lonnie White. That was a big miss for Austin. Uh, yeah. um, Shadrack Banks is a big miss there for me too. Um, Playing linebacker, I think. Yeah. 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 He put on 50 pounds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate that love. Um, it's, it's, it's just, was, it's, it's making information more accessible. I think that's like the biggest thing. And then you just kind of let people make their own decisions. And, uh, you know, I feel like. There's sometimes a lot of groupthink there too, but you also see some guys, uh, you know, breaking out, making some other other decisions there as well. So, yeah, we're you know, uh, <laughs> we we talk a lot. Um, you know, I've, I've run my mouth a lot. Austin runs his mouth a lot, um, but I think uh, just giving people the information's been been, been big too. Uh, but we'll uh, move here into the next bit of news, and this just dropped like I think it was like an hour or two here before we were about record about to record, and uh, it's Miles Brennan, QB from LSU, suffers a severe arm injury, and his 2021 is now looking like it's in doubt. Uh, LSU was a, a QB battle that we were all watching here this uh, this fall. Um, wasn't decided in the spring between Miles Brennan and Max Johnson. They both looked good. They both split reps pretty evenly. Uh, Max Johnson finished last year strong. Uh, Miles Brennan started last year strong. So it was this was a situation where I was definitely monitoring it closely. And now with Miles Brennan looking like he's probably going to be out, and Max Johnson looking like he's probably going to be the starter there. Uh, how high is this uh, moving Max Johnson up for you?
1: Yeah, I think Max Johnson becomes, comes pretty, pretty damn interesting. I mean, I know, uh my co-host there, Brandon Lejeune on uh, the Debbie dashboard. He's, he's big into Max Johnson actually has him at QB four right now. And that was even before the QB battle was decided, Uh QB four in 2023. Let me clarify not QB four right. overall, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so he was actually been pretty big on him. He's been trying to convince me on him a little bit. And I've been kind of like, if he's just kind of waiting for the news to come out, who's going to win this battle. Is it Johnson? Is it Brandon whatever? But, but yeah, I mean, I guess the only good news about this is the fact that we do have an answer now. Um, We do uh, have a decision on who's going to be the starter. We can prepare now knowing that Max Johnson is going to be the starter. Interesting guy. uh, Prototypical size. Um, I mean, we can really only... Take away the two-game sample size at the end, where he kind of started the the two right. games where he threw for you know over 600 yards. Uh, I think it was six to one in t- touchdown interception ratio. Added almost 100 yards on the ground, uh, two scores. So I mean, he's an interesting guy, and I really think that that 2023 class is is kind of begging for some more quarterback prospects. I mean, we got DJ DJU, we've got uh, Brace Young, got maybe Stroud. Uh, some people. Are, higher on card some people high on uh some you know (laughs) other guys or whatever but uh, i really think that he could end up being a a top five guy in this class with the way that people have been looking at the lsu qbs lately
0: yeah for sure i think that you know i had miles brennan max johnson back to back in my rankings just kind of hedging figuring all right whichever one wins the job is going to jump probably like you know 10 15 spots and the other one's going to drop you know 10 15 spots um, so now that we got Max Johnson settled as likely the starter there, yeah. I, I see no reason why he couldn't be the the QB four in the class of twenty twenty-three, especially when you're looking at it from a Debbie perspective, because that kind of takes out Grayson McCall. Cause I'm not really sure what Grayson McCall's pro prospects are gonna be like. Um yeah. so you know, I would prefer Max Johnson in a in a uh in, in a Debbie setting for sure. And then in the and even in a C2C setting there where you got, you know, the, you're looking at the production from this year, but you touched on Max Johnson brought a little bit with his legs, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's not a, he's definitely not a dual threat, but he's not a statue back there by any means either. You know, he, he stretches the, or he extends some plays, you know, he can pick up some scrambles, um, you know, Pick up a couple touchdowns there. He had two last year. So he's definitely not deficient in that regard. And then he's thrown to Kayshawn Boutte. So, you know, he's got a number one guy. He's got a go-to receiver. And you love, I love that in a quarterback. I love like when they have a guy that they can just go to and they can rely on when they need a big play. You know, and and show the maturity to do that as well, especially as a freshman last year, because you saw him lean on Boutte down the stretch in those last two games. Um, I think that that's great for Boute. I think it's great for Max Johnson. Um, and he's definitely a player who's going to be on the rise.
1: Yeah, and I think it's great for LSU too because now they can go forward preparing as as Max Johnson, the starter, and play towards his strengths and play towards whatever. you know. And hopefully they get the run game kind of figured out a little bit. They were kind of all over the place last year, but they've usually been a strong running team to take some pressure off of Max. So I, I think he's got some potential there for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think this is um, – it's definitely unfortunate news for Brennan, but for you know fantasy owners, this is this is good to see. Now that we know how it's going to go shake out, we don't have to worry about it into spring, and we can kind of go from there. Uh, we'll move here into the meat of the show, and uh, if you guys uh, don't follow Corey here, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, you gotta follow Corey on twitter like i said he's great dude <laughs> willing to chop it up with anybody even even a guy uh you know who is i think i had like maybe a hundred followers at, at that <laughs> point you know so um great guy smart guy like you can hear right now um, also writes for breakout finder uh, wrote a really nice piece over there um, called debbie dark horses um, you definitely got to go check that one out but we're gonna we're going to talk a little bit of Debbie here. Um, you know, we've been kind of doing some some deep dives on the pod lately, breaking down um, some of these G5 conferences, and that's all well and good. That's definitely nice, but sometimes you got to bring it up a level. Um, you know, so we'll bring it here to Debbie. We'll talk some dark courses here. Now, you can go whichever way you want with this one. If you want to talk about some of the guys from the article, if you got some other sleepers you're looking at, um, you can hit us with some of those. Uh we'll go kind of by position here. So who is your quarterback Debbie Dark Horse?
1: Yeah. So in, in the article, I went with um with Arkansas quarterback KJ Jefferson, who's uh pretty uh, a nice specimen. You know, he's a 230 pound, 6'3 guy, kind of got that Cam Newton-esque build to him, uh, brings brings some high end athleticism to the to the position. Um, we haven't seen a lot of him. Um he had a he had a brief stint in two thousand nineteen where he kinda brought some life to it to an offense that was kinda kind of dead in the water a little bit, but, um, 2020 they had Felipe Franks come in transfer. Um, and, uh, it kind of gave KJ Jefferson a chance to sit back, kind of refine his game, work on his game a little bit. And now the reports for this spring have been nothing but good. I mean, he, he had a great spring game. I think it was five for six for over 150 yards and two touchdowns or something like that. Uh, the reports have been super good out of, uh, from the coaching staff, Um, so I really think that this guy, I I will say that he is a little bit of a, a a project. Um, I was talking to uh, a guy that you guys talked to a little bit to, um, Kyle Francis there from Debbie watch. And, uh, he actually, I asked him, you know, like, what do you think is his, his upside at the NFL level? He goes, he's got the biggest range of, of outcomes, right? This guy could be Cam Newton or he could be you know, uh, Jamarcus Russell, or he could be Dwayne Haskins or he could be, you know what I mean? Like he has such a, he has such a range of outcomes for himself that, it, uh, that it's hard to pinpoint, but it, it's somebody that if you're kind of late in that draft, you're late into that C2C, you know, you're getting into the teen rounds. You want a guy who's, who I think will be productive on the college level as well. Um, I think Casey Jefferson's a good bet you can make.
0: Yeah, I mean, and he had that monster game against Missouri there at the end of the year last year, 274 yards, three touchdowns um, through the air, added another touchdown on the ground. Just kind of give you a glimpse of, you know, what he can do. And I think that, you know, he's got Traylon Burks there too. So he's got that number one wide receiver. He's got that go-to guy kind of like I touched on with uh, Max Johnson. Like I love, I love to see that, Uh, you know, that makes me feel a lot better about, Their their production and their floor, and you know, yeah, like you said, he's got got a wide range of outcomes. But you know, when you're when you're looking for that that high end Cam Newton type guy, the type of guy who could be the QB one for a while at the NFL level, and I'm not saying he's better than Mahomes, but you know, when he brings that um, dynamism with his legs, you know, that's that's tough to tough to compete with. Um, So yeah, I think that was a great call. Like you said, you know, you touched on him in the article there too, and that was um that I, I liked that call definitely a guy who's flying under the radar um my uh my guy i'm i'm talking about here as a dark horse is uh, a guy that i'm kind of in a holding pattern on but i think it's almost a stock up for him it's kyle mccord qb for ohio state he's coming in this year uh with the newer with the ewers news I think I don't think Kyle McCord's going to stay at, o- at Ohio State for long. If if he play, if Kyle McCord plays a snap at Ohio State, I'll be surprised. I think that this is just the type of thing that's going to really piss him off. Uh, you know, he, he was a five star guy. He got recruited to Ohio State. He thought he was going to come in and compete with CJ Stroud, and and that's still what he's going to do. But Stroud's the incumbent. Stroud has looked very good. Uh, I have a good feeling that Stroud's going to win this job and then they if Ryan Day brought Ewers in a year early, you know, Ewers obviously did a lot of the leg work on that and you know, he took the classes to get to be able to graduate early. Um but he wouldn't have done that if Ryan Day was like, "No, you should stay for a year." Ryan Day was definitely like, "Yeah, come on. Come on. Get on campus right away. We'll love it." So, if I'm Kyle McCord, I'm pissed. So, I think he transfers out. And yeah, I mean, he's going to sit for a year, but we got like a maybe next next Joe Burrow type situation here where he leaves Ohio State and goes somewhere else and has a, a very nice year. I mean, like I said, five-star guy, number five pro-style QB. But um, yeah, he's not a dual threat, but he's definitely mobile. He can extend plays, throws well on the run. Um, it's not something you want him to do a lot of, but he definitely has it in his skill set. Um, and something else in his skill set is he makes a lot of NFL caliber throws for a high schooler. Um, very nice arm, very accurate. I think he's got the skill set to be a, a a quarterback that could start for almost any other program in the country. I think he could go somewhere next year and you take him this year and you just reap the benefit. I mean this the Ewers news is probably going to drop him down. If I own him, I'm holding him. But if I don't, I'm buying
1: yeah. And I like, I like that call because uh, when I watched McCord play in the, in the spring game this year too, I thought he looked damn good. I really, and I'm a big CJ Stroud fan too. I mean, I actually yeah. wrote an article way back in the day, uh, on, on the guy, uh, when he was still just a recruit. Um, so uh, I've actually been following CJ Stroud for quite a while, but, but yeah, like you said, McCord's got a lot of talent. He can start for a lot, a lot of freaking teams in college right now. So, and like you said, I mean, it, it's kind of funny because OSU looking like this, this, packed room of quarterbacks and now if you look and cj Stroud starts and then they go up to him next year and ewers wants to transfer then mccord wants to transfer i mean you're looking at a team that might not even have a quarterback or one in the plan at least heading out of 2022 i mean they're going to be right back on the hunt again if if ewers starts talking about that uh, that transfer but oh well, yeah i like that mccord call and i i really think that he could excel in a lot of different places
0: yeah i think like I said, I think I think that's with this news, it's definitely creating a buying window here. Um, but we'll move here into your running back. Um, who is the uh, the, the Debbie Dark Horse here for at running back? So I, I went with two guys here in the
1: article, um, but I didn't really want to talk about Ramon Davis because uh, uh, he's getting a lot of hype out there. Um, Matt Bruning does a lot of talk about him already. Um, <laughs> Matt Bruning does a lot of talk about a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is a good thing. I'm glad I found another Davis true throughout there. Um, but just, you know, just quick topics on, on that guy, you know, Vanderbilt's lost their two leading, their two uh, leading rushers from last year. Uh, Ramon Davis is coming into Vanderbilt, tra- transferring into an SEC program from Temple, uh, had a crazy freshman or not crazy, had a very good productive breakout freshman year. And, uh, things are looking out for him there, but uh, I'm going to go with a guy from Pitt. Um, and it's going to be a uh, Israel Abanaconda. um, uh, running back there. Um, you know, uh, he didn't do that much last year. Uh, he, he kind of seemed like a raw guy, very raw athlete. He was, he was a freshman last year. I think he, you know, had like a three point something yards per carry, maybe only 23 carries. Um, you know, I think Pittsburgh's rushing attack ranked fucking 13th out of the 15th I think in the ACC last year you know so it, it was pretty low but I mean uh, Pete uh, I, I don't know how to say his last name maybe you got this for me Narduzzi Narduzzi yeah Pat Narduzzi Doozy, yeah, Pat Narduzzi okay, yeah. or whatever, you know, he really came in to this year trying to make the run game, you know, a focal point of trying to get it back on track. You know what I mean? And uh, in the beginning of the year, he was trying to maintain that uh, Vincent Davis, I think that led them last year was was going to retain the job this year. But I mean, Israel came in and just kind of kind of flashed a lot. And then he kind of pulled back on those comments r- r- right away. You know, uh, there's even a quote here from him. He says, you know, well, not so fast. I shouldn't say stuff like that. I sit there and declared that. And then all of a sudden Izzy's coming on super strong. Vince is a good back, but Izzy is getting after it. There's a battle going on there. So, I mean, th- this guy came in, he's impressing already. He had a 10 pounds this off season. He's been working on pass protection. He's been working on his pass catching. And, you know, it, it's getting your runner's legs under you once you get into the college level. A lot of guys, the transition isn't as easy for a lot of people, right? Where uh, maybe the second year, everything's kind of slowing down for the guy. And, it, and it's, it's, going to work out well for him and I mean he's been the most impressive back on the roster um in the spring game he took six carries for 77 yards um he's got some incredible verified testing four 40 um 40 yard dash and 39 inch vertical And, and let me tell you I love to see vert and broad in my running backs okay to me um I was talking about this with Felix the other day actually that it kind of directly correlates to some explosion, right? I mean, it's kind of right. It's your get off, right? It's it's your jump off the line. It's your, whatever. So when I see a 39 inch critical, that, that already tells me that that guy has the potential to be pretty damn explosive if he wants to. Right. And I, uh, you know, he was the former ele- uh, elite 11 MVP at running back. Um, you know, he's got this unique blend of size, explosion and power that, you know, that the Panthers have sort of been missing, I think for, for quite a while now. So, um, I think Pete even uh, uh compared him to Le'Veon Bell the other day. So I mean, uh, the hype is is getting pretty big for this guy and I think he could be a sneaky sneaky riser in a 2021
0: season. Yeah, I mean I I'm, I'm just uh upset Austin's not here to listen to you hype up a guy from Pitt. Um, I know, no I know. <laughs> <laughs> he would he would love hearing that, but yeah, no, I mean Abanaconda was a guy that I liked coming in last year as well um for all the reasons that you touched on. I mean, like you said with the explosions, like rating, like I mean, I love to see that as well because, like you touched, that that's a lot of your get off. You know, that's a lot of your burst, and you need that as a running back. You may not need that long speed, but you gotta have that burst. Um, And he's Abanikanda's got that in spades. And I mean, Pitt is a team where, yeah, they only they have Kenny Pickett and they have Jordan Addison, and those are the two guys that they're gonna focus on. But you know, that everybody's gonna focus on, but. Uh, Pickett's going to be gone after this year I don't think Addison's a true Number one guy and yeah I think Pitt could get back to the running Game there I think they're almost going to need to get Back to the running game a little bit uh, If they want to be successful uh, You know Kenny Pickett can only get You so far so <laughs> You know yeah they'll they'll have a, a two Headed guy here this year in Davis and Bonaconda but Bonaconda Is the type of guy who you know It's one game for him and then He just takes that lead job Um, So my guy that I'm going to talk about here is a guy that people were kind of excited about uh, for a little while uh, for the first two years. And then last year, you know, he didn't have a great year and now he's kind of a forgotten guy in this class uh, upcoming here, but that's CJ Verdell uh, running back for Oregon. Um, He's one of five players in Oregon history to rush for back to back thousand yards. He did it in his freshman year and his sophomore year. Um, you know, he had as a true freshman, uh, 202 carries, 1,018 yards, 10 touchdowns, 27 catches, 315 yards, another two touchdowns year after that, he improves, um, 1200 yards, only eight touchdowns, you know, drops in the catch department as well. But, um, you know, this past year, 2020, the PAC 12 had a really weird year in general. Um, they, know, they didn't start until November. Uh, You know, most teams only played five games, some played four. Uh, So it's hard to get much of a sample size from that. But, uh, you know, if you box score scout CJ Verdell, you see the way he ended, you know, obviously he had a disappointing year, but he started the year just where he left off 2019. He had 20 carries for 105 yards and a touchdown against Stanford, two catches for 30 yards against Washington State. He had 18 carries, 118 yards and a touchdown, five catches, 36 yards. Uh, Then he kind of got banged up a little bit for the rest of the year. He dealt with an ankle injury. Um, You know, he didn't play in the bowl game. So people kind of forget about him. But, you know, minus that ankle injury, he started off the year hot again. Um, And in in a weird COVID year, he probably wasn't going to hit the third thousand yard season in a row with only playing five games. Would have been kind of tough. But I think that he's the type of guy that, like I said, he was kind of hyped up early and people are just forgetting about him right now. But he he brings a little bit of everything to the table. Um, you know, he's he's a great runner. He's very patient. He's got nice receiving chops there. Um, I, I question his contact balance a little bit, but I think it's, you know, uh, he's still a kind of guy who can run through some tackles here and there as well. His athleticism is is fine. It's nothing great. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say he's a worse athlete than Brees Hall, um, you know, guy we were talking about earlier. So I think he's fine athletically. I think he's going to have a really nice year this year, especially with Joe Moorhead uh, there at, at, as an OC now. Joe Moorhead has a way to just get the most out of his running backs. And, uh, you know, he brought Kylan Hill into relevance before he kind of faded away. He had Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley uh, as running backs. So I think CJ is going to have a really nice year this year.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I like that. You mentioned that too, about the contact balance. Cause that, that, that was probably one of my things I, I was kind of surprised with. I thought I remembered him having a little bit more. And then when I went to go look back, it kind of, it kind of struck me off balance a little bit. I mean, I, I thought he brought a little bit more power to the game, but, but you're right. I, at the end of the day, this guy seems like a guy who is an all around talent, right. Can catch well, can, can run well, maybe not the the quickest burner maybe not the best lateral agility but he does have some lateral agility let's not Mm. let's not say he doesn't have any because he actually looks pretty good out there moving around sometimes but uh, the the way i kind of pictured him um i'm I'm a little bit lower for sure uh the way i kind of pictured him in this class was kind of you know it's kind of funny because same coach whatever but but was like the kylan hill of this class a guy who was very good at everything and maybe didn't quite excel at any one thing. What, like, what, what was his trump card? You know what I mean? Like, what, what is what CJ Verdell going to bring that no one else is going to bring to this game? You know what I mean? And, and so I'm kind of lukewarm on him and I'm hoping that he can bounce back this year after kind of a weird year last year.
0: Yeah, like I said, I I think this is a class where, you know, we got Breeze Hall, we got Isaiah Spiller at the top. We love those guys. After that, it's pretty muddled. Some people are in on Eric Gray. Right. I think he's being overrated a little bit here. Me too. Um, you know, and then after that, it's, it's kind of open. So you're, you're right. See, he doesn't really bring any one elite trait to, to the game, but he does everything well. Jack of all trades. I think he's a guy who's going to have, I, I could see him getting like day two draft capital probably later, maybe like end of the round three. Um, cause he's got good size as well. You know, we don't need to worry, um, about his size there. Like we did with some of the guys in this class I and mean, he's five ten. 210 um as it's what he, they have them listed at and sports reference so you know we, we worried a little bit about some of these other smaller guys from this class but I don't think we have to or from 2020 like Kenny Gainwell uh, but we don't have to worry about that with Verdell so I think that he's the type of guy who's just going to get on a roster he's going to stick and you know maybe he gets a chance to to get a starting job here at some point uh, but we'll uh, we'll move into wide receivers um, and I, I really like I really like the first guy that you called out here in in your article. <laughs> I like them, I like them both, but the first guy is one that I, I've definitely been interested in here. So uh, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you run with both of these guys if you want. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so that's that guy's that you're talking about. I,
1: I'm pretty sure that's Milton Wright out of Purdue, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Milton Wright, he's a, he's a damn good player, I think. And, and I mean, you look at Purdue over the last couple of years and they're, they're getting some NFL uh, attention. You know, you look at Rondale Moore going in the, in the second round of drafts, uh, David Bell, who's probably maybe, maybe not, but he's being mocked in the first round. At least he's going to be a high pick, you know, right. And maybe Milton Wright is that next guy to step in, you know, and this, this guy's six, 200 pounds, uh, highly ranked four-star prospect. And, and, you know, more missed some games in, in, uh, in 2020 with a, with a little bit of injuries. And uh, he averaged over five catches, uh, 70 yards a game. And he found the end zone twice in that three game span. And I mean that those, those numbers on average don't look too well, but when you actually look at a two game sample size where he went over the 85 mark, or 85 yard mark twice. And then even in one performance, he had a six catch, 100 yard, one touchdown performance against Illinois. So, I mean, uh, this guy assumed a role right away when Rondale was out. And if you look at him back in high school, um, he was a very versatile player. Uh, he played on both ends of the ball. He was, he played on defense. Um, He's one of the, he was like one of the leading tacklers on the team, I believe. And, um, he rushed the ball 400 yards and and seven touchdowns, I believe. And, and was playing receiver. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about a very versatile athlete who I think could, could fill the role that Ron Dale Moore is leaving here and be next to David Bell here and get some NFL attention. I mean, he is a junior. So there's a chance here that this might be his only year coming into this year. And, I mean, that's great for the analytics, I guess. Uh, it might not be as productive as you hope. But if let's just say he does stay uh, into 2022. We're talking about a guy who's probably going to be atop the depth chart, very pass-happy system, and uh, he's definitely going to be raising his stock to maybe be in the first round next year with the rest of these guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you touched on with the system, Purdue can support two wide receivers. I mean, they yeah. did it with Rondale Moore. They did it with David Bell. Uh, I think they could do it with Milton Wright, and Milton Wright is the type of side speed specimen that everybody dreams about. I mean, this right. dude was one of the the top sprinters in his high school. Same with or in, in high school, uh, when he was there, it was same with jumping as well. Um, you know, he was an all around track athlete, and he was getting recruited by Bama. Um, you know, yeah. anytime Bama wants a receiver, you you got to pay attention, and they wanted him. I, I mean, he he chose to go to Purdue, um, you know, so we'll we'll see how that works out for him. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, a wide open opportunity there in Purdue. Uh, I think David Bell is going to be the guy this year, but Milton Wright is going to be a very nice complementary piece. And, you know, if he does leave after this year, that's better for analytics purposes. But even if he sticks around after that, I think he's going to have a really nice year as a senior when David Bell heads off to the NFL. Um, and then my, uh, wide receiver here, I have Marcus Roseme Jack Saint, uh, wide receiver for Georgia. Nice. I like that call. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody likes to look at Burton. Um, what I, I do think he's going to be the number one guy this year. Now with the Pickens is probably out all year. Um, but Marcus jack Jackson was a higher rate of prospect coming out. He's a high four-star guy, number eight wide receiver in the 2020 class. Uh, he's got the size, 6'2", 195. Um, he has good athleticism. I uh, ran a 4.59 at the opening in, in high school with a 3.97 short shuttle and a thirty six and nine point nine inch vert. Um, he's got extremely good short area quickness, like you can see from that short shuttle. Um, good enough long speed. Um, and then the vert, too, he's got that explosion as well. But one of the things I liked the most about him when I was watching him coming out last year, uh, he's a very good route runner for a high schooler. Um, you know he he has showed some nuance at the top of his routes. Um, you know he sh- he would have some shake in there as well. Uh, I think that this type of athlete with this type of size and this good of a route runner, they don't come around all that often. Now he's kind of going under the radar right now because um, he didn't have a great year last year. I mean he was a f- true freshman. You know he had four catches, sixty-two yards, and a touchdown. But on that touchdown against Florida, he dislocated his ankle. Uh, and he missed the rest of the year. He's been rehabbing all spring. Um, Kirby Smart hasn't come out to say he's cleared yet for contact. Uh, but uh, there's an article on the uh, on twenty four seven where it says he, in, he it says it's important to note that Smart didn't explicitly state that Rosey Jackson is cleared for contact, but he certainly indicated it. Um, and that was just coming from um, Jake Rowe over there back in July. So it's sounding like he's going to be good to go. And I think Georgia throws the ball more this year than than what we're used to seeing out of them. I think now that they have a quarterback with JT Daniels that can kind of cook a little bit, um, you know, they are seeing Florida, they're seeing Bama in the SEC and LSU the year that they won it. These are high-flying offenses. You kind of have to be able to put points up nowadays to be able to win a national title. And I think this is a team with national title aspirations. They brought, they have Todd Monk in there who's got some time in the NFL. I think they're going to throw the ball more this year. And while we all think Burton's the number one guy, I don't think that's a definite uh, conclusion. But even if he is, I think this offense can support two wide receivers. And I think Rosemary Jackson's a guy who's flying under the radar right now.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you—you you pretty much stole the analysis out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, la- last last year, I actually when I when I looked into his film, actually, I had the exact same um, thought process that you did. I loved seeing the short shuttle. First of all, you know, I love guys that can run around like that, and it showed up on the tape. The route running, like you said, like he was a deceptive route runner. He showed a lot of refinement for that stage. A lot of he was doing a lot of things that guys. Didn't necessarily do in uh, other high school tape, you know, uh, deception of uh, looking off and and cutting in the other way, uh, movement at the line, uh, you know, it was it was a bunch of things that impressed me about him. Um, he did have the injury, and then I do think that the room is more crowded a little bit than than people want to admit, at least this year. Like I think Kiaris Jackson is going to, is going to have a strong role. Uh, a Don, I Mitchell, you know, he came on pretty strong this spring. I don't know if he's going to uh, kind of take a role there or whatever. Um, and then of course you've got Burton who, I, who I love. I think he's going to be a, a superstar. I really do. I think he's, 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 exactly what the NFL is looking for nowadays Um, but I agree with you I do think that that UGA is going to throw a lot more this year and and with Todd Monk and and a healthy JT Daniels I mean we're talking about a guy who wasn't even ready at the beginning of the year last year uh, was barely ready in the middle of the season they were even questioning if they were going to play him or whatever and it was a guy who said that he wasn't really comfortable this is the first year that he said he's even felt relatively healthy and relatively good to to go out there and and be comfortable and and be who he is you know what I mean which is a high five-star product prospect who a lot of us loved when he came out. So I have a lot of hope for, for I I am a, I am a closet, uh, dogs fan. So, so go, go dogs. Um, so I hope, I, I hope that you're right. And I do agree with you. I do think they're going to throw a lot more and I think they're going to be, I hope, I hope that Kirby can finally come out of his, his old ways. And I hope we can finally
0: see some high flying offense from these guys. Yeah. I mean, they certainly have the pieces for it. Um, you, you're, you're, uh, you're Canadian, right? Correct. Okay, gotcha. You have that Minnesota Vikings logo there. So I wasn't sure if you were uh, from Minnesota or Canada. So as I was going to say, if you're from Minnesota, uh, rooting for UGA, um, I know. See, that's that's the best thing about being Canada, is like, I can just get
1: to choose whatever the hell I want. I don't want. Yeah, <laughs> I have no allegiance to to. Ima- I'm telling you right now, this is this is this is the only thing that gets hard sometimes when I'm talking to guys in the states about colleges, and they go, "Oh, well, they're close to these guys," and they're, "Well, I don't know anything about about USA geographically." I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, no, so but... so yeah. So when guys are saying, "Well, oh, they'll be close here. Relignment is good here," I'm like, "I don't know, man. I don't. I'm trying to pick a team I like, which was the dogs at the time, and I just stuck with it." So so yeah. it's a a weird combo the minnesota and georgia obviously but uh i've grown to love it so
0: (laughs) i I love that i mean i i live in pa pennsylvania there so i mean like a lot of people assume that i would be eagle Steelers fans or pa like pennsylvania teams one or the other because there's in every sport but uh outside of penn state uh which I, i grew up like 30 minutes away from there so like i have a pretty close connection with them but outside of Penn state. I don't really root for any PA teams. Um, you know, Falcons fan Dodgers for baseball blues for hockey. Um, I was a big D Wade guy for basketball. Um, so I'm kind of floating around now. I don't really have a team yet, but I I loosely root for the heat, but yeah, I'm all over the place. And I mean, I, I, I live in the U S so I don't have an excuse. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. I think once I think, too, once we become like a little more on the analyst side of things, it's hard to keep your rooting interest for one team. I find that, yeah. too. You know, I'm like watching the Vikings. And yes, I, I love the Vikings and I'm always going to want them to win. But at the same time, I want my fantasy guy on the other team to do good. So, yeah, Vikings, just like let them run for 200 yards quick. If you don't mind, like, <laughs> you know, so it's kind of hard to battle between the two. But what you really want. But, you know, the Vikings are always true in my heart. That's my number one team. The dogs there. I'm a closet dogs fan. I, 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 you know, maybe I could care less if they win or, or lose something. Sometimes, you know, I love the talent they have on their team sometimes. And, you know, I, I, it's just somebody that I've, I've, I've hooked my wig into, I guess. We all got to hook our wig into somebody.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, so you said you were in the uh, the central time zone there. So you live like near Minnesota? Far I do. I'm, I'm a little know nothing hours about the way You know nothing about U.S. geography. I know nothing about uh, Canadian geography. I know where Toronto is. I know where Quebec is. I know Edmonton and Vancouver are out West. I don't really know much about in the middle.
1: Yeah, so you're talking about everywhere but me, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm from I'm in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. There. yeah, we're about six okay. hours away. Yeah,
1: so Winnipeg Jets,
0: NHL. So if you know that, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and the, uh, if you're near Manitoba, Manitoba Moose for the AHL.
1: Oh yeah, the Moose and the Blue Bombers <laughs> won the Grey Cup two years ago, man. Our, our okay. football team. So we got some talent <laughs> here, man. We got some talent. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, it's not the same. I really do prefer the NFL game or the American game. At least I, I like the four downs. I like the everything. You know, three downs. It just takes a lot out of the game. A lot of what you can do you know i don't want to go all the way down that road anyways but i do i really enjoy the american game and I've, I've connected with it a lot
0: nice um all right well we'll go into tight end here uh and i mean i'll start off by saying i don't really have a tight end that i think is like a debbie dark horse the closest thing would be theo johnson fellow canadian yeah uh, but i think he's he's starting to get some hype here so i'm not really sure he will qualify um so i'll, I'll kick it over to you here for a tight end
1: Right. I mean, my guy's getting some hype too. I mean, especially on the NFL draft analyst side of things. Not so much on the cgc Debbie. They've been a little bit slow to catch up to this. But um, my guy's gonna be Will Mallory out of Miami. And I mean, um, this guy's had to patiently kind of wait his time behind Brevin Jordan. Uh they both came in as freshmen, you know. Uh, injuries or one thing or another led to Brevin Jordan kind of taking the lead and becoming like the main guy there, which which is fine. But people forget how great of a a prospect Will Mallory was. I mean, the four star prospect, um, Legit size at uh what was this? Uh two sixty five and six five, I believe is the size. Uh big boy. Um excelled in hurdles excelled in track in, in, uh, in high school, um, actually took home titles in hurdles and titles in, in the 400 meter, I believe. So, I mean, this guy's had to patiently wait his turn behind, uh, behind, uh, Brevin Jordan, but now really it's his chance. And we kind of saw during a three week stretch there without Jordan last year and, uh, Mallory kind of took the, took the lead. And he went for 187 yards and three scores in that three week performance. So, you know, I, I, I mean, evaluators started to take notice, uh, his teammates were taking notice, you know, um, if you look, if you look kind of around hard enough, you can already kind of see that he's getting the national attention. I think uh, PFN had him rated as a, ta- a top tight, a top ten tight end uh, nationally for 2021. He was dubbed uh, one of the top five draft prospects by Sports Illustrated of Miami, and he's featured in CBS's top 100 prospects for the draft in 2022. So I mean, this guy is getting a lot of buzz, more so on the draft analyst side of things, and yet I'm still seeing him going more towards the 18th round 19th round 20th round in C2C drafts. And I really think that if you're, you know, tight end is such a hard position to hit on. Like, I mean, we're not, we're not masters here. There's so many different ways to go. at. I mean, there's not even a proper, like analytically, we can't even find a proper age threshold. We can't find the proper production threshold. It's tough to, to match up with it, with a tight end. And really you just got to throw some darts. (laughs) So I'm going to take a dart on the, on the athletic Will Mallory and hope that he can become a top five tight end
0: in the 2022 draft yeah i mean that's that's exactly why i don't really have a great tight end for it because like you said it's it's difficult to project tight ends it's difficult to find like some of the metrics i mean we want athleticism that's exactly what we want and that's what uh, will mallory has he's got more athleticism than what people think oh yeah uh, you know, so I, I love that call. He's definitely under the radar. Uh, I, I've seen, you know, the true freshman coming in there. Elijah Arroyo gets taken over Will Mallory. Yeah, you know, he does. Yeah. And-
1: I, I can kind of get that from a C2C angle. If you want to have the guy who's going to be there maybe for the next four years or whatever, like there is some things I can see with that. But I mean, yeah, I I, I think they should be going closer together than,
0: than farther apart like they are. Like Arroyo goes early. Yeah. Yeah. Royal goes pretty early, especially for a true freshman tight end and one that's a little undersized, too. I mean, yeah. Also, you said Mallory's 6'6", 245. Like that's prototypical size. He's got the athleticism. He's got the pedigree coming from Miami. They just all they do is produce tight ends. So I think the Will Mallory is a great call there. Uh, so, like I said, I don't have a tight end here. Except Theo Johnson would be the closest thing, but he's starting to get some hype. Um, you know, because he's a big guy, he's 6'6", 242 is what he was coming out. Um, he's athletic already before he came out, and he's getting into that Penn State weight room, that Penn State program. Uh, so I think that's only going to improve. And with, um, with Friar Muth gone, you know, it's it's looking like he's going to be the guy there at tight end. Um, you know, and Penn State also, if Miami produces tight ends, you know, Penn State's right there up there with him too. Um, you know, with Friar Muth, Kasecki, uh, even Jesse James before that, but uh, we'll move out of tight ends here. We'll move into some, some cl- general class breakdowns here, and we're going to keep it fairly high level here, you know, just general overall thoughts, uh, but then we'll hit some of our favorite guys, some of our sleepers, you know, guys were too low on, um, you know, this is just kind of like a, a overview of each of these classes. Um, Cause I know some people like to structure their team based on classes, um, particularly when it comes to Debbie, you know, you don't want, People like to space it out. You don't want too many guys in each class. Um, So with 2022 here, um, Austin and I have kind of shared our thoughts on it a little bit uh, throughout the course of the pod here. So what are your thoughts here on the 2022 class as a whole? Uh,
1: um, You know, as a whole – I kind of think it's not as impressive as some of the other classes that we've kind of looked at in the past. Um, you know, l- like we look at the running backs, and we've got the two top guys at the top with Brees Hall and Spiller, and then you've just got like a whole bunch of names, whether it's Kyron Williams, uh, Zamir White, Eric Gray, Kevin Harris, uh, all these guys that that have some potential to, that that could climb. Um, you even look at the wide receiver; it's kind of it's a little bit top heavy, right? You're talking about Burks. Uh, we don't even know if Pickens is going to come anymore this year. Right. So, so we could be losing him. Then we've got Wilson and Olave and, uh, who, what a name am I missing? Oh, Bell and Bell is going to be there as well. Right. And then we've got some potential risers like the Zay Flowers, the Drake Londons. Um, Justin Ross is another big possible ticket that could, that could, uh, climb in this class. But again, it seems, it seems top heavy, right? There's not a lot of, uh, there's not as much love for the lower guys I find as there was in the past year. So, um, I think it's a it's a decent class. I like a lot of the guys at the top. Like I'm a huge Wilson fan, and I'm a huge Brees Hall fan, who are my RB one and my wide receiver one. But yeah, yeah, depth wise, I think it's lacking a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm completely with you there too. Like we kind of touched on it as a whole. Um, like you said, wide receiver really strong at the top. Um, you got probably a big five. We don't know Pickens comes out, but I I think he's probably going to um he just seems like the type of guy who's going to come out uh he doesn't want to doesn't seem like the type of guy who's going to stick around for for four years there um (laughs) and then you know you got the QBs uh you got the top two Rattler Howell then a lot of question marks after that same thing with running backs um Hall and Spiller a lot of question marks after that same thing with tight end it's Weidermeyer, a lot of questions after that so I think 2022 um just shift into a dynasty here for a second. It's not a year that you want really second round picks. <laughs> um I, yeah. I think it's I, I think there's gonna be a lot of guys in the second round that are you're just you're not gonna feel great about.
1: It's funny because this year I kind of felt the same way almost. I mean I, you hit the second round in a lot of those rook, all rookie drafts, and I was just like, man, I don't even know who to take like mid third mid-second round. You're looking at freaking Des Fitz. I mean in non-superflex anyways. You're already starting to look at Des Fitzpatrick and, and all these other kind of guys, you know, but but, yeah, I agree with you uh, as a whole. I do. Uh, I kind of forgot about the quarterbacks there. But, yeah, I mean, th- we've got a few. There's been some Malik love. There's been some Carson love. Uh, Corral is another big one that I, that I really like that could hop out. Another A sleeper of mine that I really like, I've done a little more study on him. I'm um, big Zay Flowers guy, I guess. I know he's got some okay. deficiencies. I am a big Zay Flowers guy, but I really like uh, Jurkovic. Um, I think he's got uh, some pretty good talent. he got the prototypical size. Um, it, it's a it, – he's – he started a lot of games slow. It's almost like he was kind of just trying to get his feet under him. And then by the end of the game, he almost had a completely different quarterback. Sometimes, you know, he's a great guy who worked kind of uh, out of structure. He was great uh, on the run or on the fly. And then if those scripted plays in the beginning, it was almost like he wasn't, he wasn't the the greatest with them. You know, he was almost better when his back was against the wall, but you know, I, I finished my, my kind of study on him this past week or two weeks ago. And I, I gave him a comp of Carson Wentz. And I think even now it almost follows it more so because you even look at last year where a lot of times Carson's footwork wasn't matching up with what his mechanics were doing up top was, was causing a lot of throwing off his back foot and doing things that he thinks he can get away with, but he really can't. And, and I kind of see a lot of that with Phil too. is It's a lot of natural talent that needs to be refined. Uh, a lot of nasty footwork sometimes and whatever. And he just kind of thinks that natural arm can take him out of anything. So I hope, I hope he can refine his game and I'm hoping to see a big season from him and Zay Flowers this year.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm a big, uh, big Jay, um, Zay Flowers guy as well. I, I like. I think he's going to be a guy who's definitely going to rise in this class here as well. I won't call him a a sleeper right now because I think he's starting to get some buzz too, especially uh, with you guys over there at the dashboard hyping him up. Um, so, but I, I love Zay Flowers. I like the call there with Jerkovich too. Um, I, you know, I think that, like you said, Jerkovich was a guy who he kind of came into the year under the radar. Nobody really knew what to expect from him. He was a pretty, um, pretty highly thought after recruit before he went to Notre Dame and then transfers to Boston college. Everybody thought of Boston college as a team that ran the ball, but they kind of let it loose a little bit last year. I think they're going to do more of the same there this year. And like you said, if he can kind of tighten up the uh, tighten up some of the mechanics, tighten up some of the stuff in structure, you know, he's got exactly what the NFL is looking for. You know, they like guys who are going to create outside of structure they like guys with the the mobility. They like guys with that arm. So he checks a lot of boxes. Just kind of needs to put it all together. Um, my uh, my sleeper here is uh, wide receiver uh, Khalil Shakir at uh, of Boise Ooh. State. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like I like Khalil Shakir a lot. I think he is the type of guy who. You know, being a Boise State, you don't really think too much about receivers. You think more about the running backs there. But he, had, he was extremely productive as a sophomore. Um, 63 catches, 872 yards, six touchdowns. Also had 19 carries, you know, three touchdowns on the ground. So they're looking to kind of get him the ball um, in a variety of different ways. Also, last year, you know, seven games, um, but he balled out in those seven games. 52 catches, 719 yards, six touchdowns, 17 carries, 148 yards. Didn't have any touchdowns on the ground, but again, just a guy that they're trying to get the ball in his hands. Um, I think right now he's a little bit more gadgety than he is receiver. He needs some refinement. Um, but they bring in uh, the new a new offensive coordinator. They bring in um, Tim, I think his name's Plow. Um, he was the head coach at UC Davis and you, you may think oh well why does that matter <laughs> they had he he had uh and i'm trying to find the stat but they had a ton of wide receiver production there that year um and their fcs school but they even had um one guy who went into the pros and he was a sleeper there for a while keelan Doss. yeah that's who it was yeah for um, the raiders
1: yeah i remember him
0: yeah yeah. So, you know, he was getting a lot out of his wide receivers. He likes to air the ball out. So I think that he, Khalil Shakir is a guy who's going to get a lot of production there this year. He's going to be the guy. And if Tim Plough can develop a Keelan Dawson NFL prospect, you know, I'm hopeful that he can kind of refine Shakir's route running, can, can refine some of the nuances in his game and make him a little bit more of an all-around prospect. And, you know, you couple that with his athleticism already and his versatility, and I think he's a guy who's going to climb in this draft class.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I love that call. I was somebody who's a little bit late to the uh, Shula, um, Khalil Shakir party. Um, I, I've been starting to take him a lot in all my CFF leagues. Uh, my best balls, everything like that. Uh, second round, uh, right up there. So, I mean, I, I, I was late to it. I finally did my study on the guy. I did want to see... I mean, you you don't see it from a lot of these guys in the college level is is facing press a lot of the time, right? So I wanted to see him uh, him get challenged a little more at the line and, and be a little bit more physical. But other than that, like I agree with larry you're saying, the athleticism is there. There's a lot of upside there, and, and like you said, if you can develop into that into a prospect, you definitely see him climb in this class because there's a lot of room for guys to climb in this class. I think, especially on the wide receivers.
0: Yeah, like like we were talking about before, but just generally, you know, they have a big five there, and then it's kind of. You know, up in the air after that. I think Zay Flowers is a candidate there to, to step up if he were to come out. Um, obviously it's unknown. I think he's gonna be a redshirt sophomore next year, or is he hey, a just I think straight he, junior?
1: I think he might be a junior. I'm not sure. That's okay. a good that's a good question. I have All to right. look that up. Yeah, it'll
0: be third year, third year in yeah. school. I'm not sure which one of those two it is, but um, I found the stat I was looking for, for um Tim Plough, the new OC there. Um 2019. Um, he was, they averaged 433 yards of offense per game 2018. They were the third nationally passing offense with 320, uh, 322.8 yards per game, um, and eighth in scoring with 39.7 points per game. So he's a guy who likes to chuck the ball around and put up a lot of stats too. So C2C wise, Khalil Shakir is a guy that I'm loving and to take uh, at his current ADP, um, Current ADP for him, uh, average 132. So just after the 10th round, like t- to the 11th round-ish. We're not math guys on here. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, neither am I. No. <laughs> um, but then I think he has some, some NFL upside too. Um, so moving into 2023, um, I think this class is looking a little bit stronger. What are you thinking? Oh, I
1: definitely agree. I mean, this one, uh, people don't like... When we we say it, there's a lot of people. When I when I've posted on Twitter or whatever, that they told me, "Oh, calm down. It's so far away, whatever." But this this is the the one class that's probably going to compare to the 2020 class, I would say, in regards to at least running backs. And I'm trying to remember who the wide receivers were now. Um, but but regardless, I think it's going to be the one of the best classes since 2020 um, in general. I mean, we we've got a lot of a lot of high talent at the top for running backs. I mean. I mean, even just just riling them off quickly. I mean, it's it's Bijan Kendall, Jace, Zach Evans, Trayon, Marshawn Lloyd, uh, Berger, uh, Demarcus Bowman. Um, it, you know, there's a ton of talent there. And even, you're even looking at the wide receivers, and you're looking at Jermaine and and Raheem and Parker Washington and and Jordan Addison and, and all these guys who who did super well in their first year. I mean, the the arrow is pointing up majorly on this class. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, like you said, everybody's always like, oh yeah, everybody always says wait till next year. But I think this is truly a year where, you know, if you don't have an early pick in 2022 for Devi or dynasty for the rookie picks, however, you guys break that down, whichever leagues you're in. But if you don't have an early pick, you know, I'm, I'm kind of out on the rest of the guys for 2023. I want all the picks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> these, these guys look very, very strong. You ran through all those running backs, another a lot of great wide receivers um kaysan uh and um marvin mims as well um that josh downs your guy you were talking about earlier jaden right. wally you know i think this is a this is a strong wide receiver class on top of a strong running back class the qbs you know dju is looking like he could be a uh you know a very very early pick he's got all the tools you want you know he's looking like a very high end prospect Bryce Young had a lot of hype coming out. He's going to Bama. Um, you know, he's, he's going to start there this year. I think his value is going to be insulated, but I liked him coming out this year. So I think he's going to have a really nice year, but even if he doesn't, you know, I think he's people are going to afford him another year probably. And then, you know, CJ Stroud, hard to say what's going to go on with that OSU quarterback situation, but I like Stroud. Max Johnson, another guy we talked about. My guy, Hudson Card. Um you know, Jaden Delara too is a kind of guy that's under the radar, but he looked good at Washington State. I think this is a strong class overall. Um, and then you have a top tier tight end prospect too, and Michael Mayer. So I think 2023 is looking really, really strong. And like I said, this is a class that I'm looking to I'm looking to buy picks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got uh, um, Gilbert there at tight end too, if
1: he stays at tight end. I'm hoping that he still transfers back to tight end when it comes to the NFL level. I don't care if he plays wide receiver at at the college level. I still think there's a chance that they'll convince him to go to tight end. I mean, you're looking at like the Jacob Harris's and the Darren Waller's where they're coming in and they're saying, try it out at tight end. You know what I mean? So I think that they're going to look at him and hopefully hopefully advise that when it comes to the draft time. Cause I'm a little bit more worried about him as a wide receiver. I mean, I think we all are. I've heard you guys talk about it before too. So, so I really hope that he comes in as a tight end and is part of that class. Um, another quarterback that I kind of wanted to mention, I know that, uh, not the greatest showing last year in Tennessee, but I am a Harrison Bailey fan. I was his fan. I was a fan of his, uh, as a prospect. Um, but the arm got a ton of tools, just looked not ready for, for the field already in, in 2020. You know what I mean? He just looked raw. He, his decision-making was lacking. He was checking down. He just didn't look like, like the guy I thought he was going to be. And then this spring game, he actually looked pretty damn good. There are reports that have been pretty good on him coming out. So I'm still not giving up hope on, uh, on Harrison Bailey.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like that you you called out that he didn't look ready as a freshman. You know, at times he, he looked a little off, you know, because a lot of Harrison Bailey fans like to point at the box score. They like to point at his 70.6 completion percentage, 8.5 air yards per attempt, not bad. Um, you know, it's it's fine. Uh, at 578 yards through six games, but, you know, he really only started two games because they kind of had Jerry right. Guaritano there and, you know. People kept going like, back oh, to
1: him and like I don't understand what yeah. was going on there, but <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean you should never go back to Jerek Waritano. No, <laughs> no. They should have realized after his first three years there that he was not the guy. <laughs> yeah. Um but I like the Harrison Bailey call because you said he's getting more buzz here this uh, this spring. You know, the, the QB situation there is still pretty unsettled with being Josh Heupel, brand new coach. You know, he doesn't have any ties to any of these guys. He brought in as many transfers as he could get his hands on because he just wants somebody to step up, um, you know, and improve themselves. And if it can be Harrison Bailey, he's going to take a huge step forward this year in value because Josh Heupel quarterbacks put up numbers. And if it's Harrison Bailey this year, he's going to do the same. I think he's going to put up a lot of numbers this year. And he's a guy that a lot of people are going to be talking about. Um, the, The biggest question mark is, can he win that job, though?
1: Yeah, I, it's all going to be about the development from this off season. I mean, hopefully, he comes in a little bit more prepared and looks a little bit more like the prospect like that that I thought he was going to end up being, right? Because I mean, and we've talked about it with Max Johnson too up there. I mean, the, this this class is dying for some some other talent that to be included in this in this top five of quarterbacks because right now it is kind of a mixed bag, and we don't see. I mean. I even I even had some love for for Tuba Purdy out there at Florida State. I um, uh, <laughs> was big on Chuba too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, a dual threat guy. I mean, but again, he looked super shaky last year yep. too. Uh, Luke Doughty at SC, who they tried to get playing wide receiver last year, I believe, but also a high athlete. I mean, I guess I'm looking at a lot of these athletic numbers too. I mean, uh, for for C 2 C and CFF purposes, I like these athletic guys for for production sometimes, right? But I mean, uh, if they can refine their game and turn into to better passers too, I mean, they're high upside guys. Guys, really and, and some guys you could take shots on really deep in your draft
0: yeah um I the Harrison Bailey call definitely could pan out for you for sure um uh, my guy that I wanted to just highlight in the class is uh, a guy that I had mentioned like way back and then uh, Felix discovered him and Felix has been the hype man for this <laughs> guy ever since um and that is uh Troy O'Meary uh wide receiver for Texas oh he was your guy first <laughs> i won't i won't claim he was my guy but oh I i'm gonna
1: have to have a talk with felix he's, did, he's taking claims man.
0: <laughs> i did i did talk about him on one of like the very first shows he was a guy that uh i was targeting everywhere last year in uh in freshman drafts um you know looked like he was gonna pay off in a big way in camp but everybody was hyping him up he, they said he looked unstoppable then he tears his acl uh mm-hmm. misses all year so that's tough uh but all reports are good coming out of camp. Um you know, it's he's going to be he's going to be there, you know, he was he was looking pretty good here uh all all throughout the spring and into the summer. And he's just a kind of guy that has everything you're really looking for there. I mean, he's got he's big body guy, 6'3", uh 206 who's recruit, high, high recruiting pedigree there. I mean, he was only number 43 wide receiver in the class, four-star guy, but Bama wanted him, Texas A&M wanted him, Arizona State wanted him. He had 31 offers, all power five, so highly sought-after guy for being a number 43 wide receiver overall. Uh, athleticism numbers were a little bit lacking. I mean, he ran a four six nine forty, 940, but I think he's the type of guy who can improve upon that. Uh, The vert was a little low too, 32 and a half, but he's the type of guy who uses his size extremely well. And then that Texas offense is just looking for a wide receiver. Uh, Jake Smith transfers out. Jordan Whittington is a guy who's, he's kind of smaller. He's a little bit more gadgety, a little bit more of a slot type of a guy. Um, And they have nobody on the outside. And I think that he's going to step up. He's going to have a big year this year in a Sark offense And he's going to be a guy that everybody's putting up in that range there with, you know, Parker Washington, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs. I think he's going to make his way up into that range. Yeah, and I I love the fact that they got
1: Sark there because it feels like they've had a bunch of talent on that team for – almost so many years and and it's, they've been unable to unlock the potential of these guys. You know, like it's, it's just, we've been kind of always saying, why aren't you playing this guy more or why isn't this guy breaking out more or whatever? So I like that. Sarkeesian is there. I'm hoping that he's going to help these guys break out. Uh, Omier, uh, really interesting, um, specimen. You know what I mean? Like I read Felix's article. I, I, I didn't look as much into him back in the class, but, uh, but, yeah, you see all the highlight catches on on Twitter from from practice. Uh, you know what I mean? He, he's been a kind of a practice star. Uh, he's been c- kind of a guy Texas fans have been talking about a lot as a guy who could who's ready to break out. Um, you know, they still got Joshua Moore there, I guess. He returned, so he's probably going to be – Yeah, he's going to be a, a guy that uh, sees a little bit more uh, work there, pretty good solid amount of work. I do really like Whittington. I mean, I loved him when he came in as a running back. Yeah. Um, if you remember him at, you know, in, in high school, when he was playing both sides of the ball, um, I, I mean, I think in his championship game, his final game in high school, he was defensive MVP, offensive MVP, like, like 11 tackles, six touchdowns, over 300 offensive yards, like it, 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 catching the ball, rushing the ball. I mean. And not only that, when he bulked up to 222, I think was his first year too. And I was like, we're talking about a 220 guy who can catch the ball and he's going to be in the backfield. Like I'm all over this. I drafted him everywhere, like <laughs> everywhere that I could I could possibly draft this guy. And it just hasn't come to fruition with the guy. First of all, he's made a glass apparently because he keeps getting injured all the time, especially when things are lining up for him when Jake Smith is injured or whenever somebody was injured or for him to get in there like – He just hasn't had a chance. And then even, you know, Keontae Ingram gets injured and he didn't even have a chance to get in there because he was too busy being injured. So he lost his chance of being a running back, converted to the slot wide receiver. So, I mean, with Jake Smith gone now, I'm hoping that Whittington can kind of uh show some stuff a little bit um i I love the i like the size i like his his ability um i still got a small hope that maybe he's going to be antonio gibson and come in as a running back into the nfl (laughs) but i mean yeah well we'll see we'll see what happens you know what i mean i i I think he's he's a he's a, a guy i like to take a little bit later in drafts but unfortunately he has been rising a little bit into like the higher teens i guess ever since jake smith uh, jake smith left i've even seen some even before round 10 before double digits picks on him uh here and there so yeah i mean omir and whittington are the two guys i'm definitely looking at i'm not huge on Moore. i think he's a good player for them i think he's he's solid he's gonna be productive for them but but omir and whittington are the guys i'm looking for for upside there
0: yeah i i love omir uh, but i love whittington at value um yeah he's yeah he's going later than omir in most most situations um our adp has uh whittington at uh 172 uh, okay not a math guy but i think that's like 15 15 16 round somewhere around there yeah somewhere around there so yeah i mean i think that that's a great great value there i i find i do find myself taking a lot of whittington as well um especially because he's been hyped up out of camp too um sark yeah. said one guy who stood out has been whittington at the wide receiver position in the spring um, to move here into 2024, um, and this is all guys who have never stepped on, uh, a, an actual college field yet. None of these guys have played any games, all incoming freshmen. So a lot of, a lot of projection here. Uh, but what are your overall thoughts here in the 2024 class?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, haven't done my full eval on the 2024 class. There's still a lot of guys. Um, you know, you guys are crazy over there moving on to the 2022 class already and all this stuff and having the rankings. I'm like, man, I'm uh, you know, you guys make me feel behind, honestly, but, <laughs> but they make uh, you they, feel behind too. I, right? Yeah, man, man, they are grinding over there, but um, yeah, uh, so I, I've looked at a, a few names, I'm not. I don't think I'm ready to release like a top ten at any position yet. I'm not super sold on anything, but there are guys that I'm drawn towards, right? I mean, I, and I won't beat a dead horse here with Travion Williams. I mean, everybody. I mean, Travion Henderson. Uh, everybody loves him for good reason. This guy had some of the best high school tape that I've seen uh, recently. I loved his vision and instincts. I know a lot of people want to talk about his athleticism and whatever, but one of the one of the biggest traits to me when I'm looking at a running back is their ability to uh, dissect the line and and uh, find their hole and, and walk how things develop and be able to work ad-lib and be able to adjust if that hole closes and where you're going to go and where, what you're going to do, right? Um, Travion, like to me, excelled here and, and it was navigating traffic. It was getting in between the tackles, being able to escape out of it and, and finish your run, you know, and, and I want to throw a comparison here to a guy like Will Shipley who I'm a little bit lower on in this class because yeah, he's got the speed. He's got the athleticism, but his high school tape was filled with, okay, he runs into the line, books it to the outside, beats everybody with the speed and then just runs down the sideline. And it was like over and over and over. And it's just to the sideline down to the sideline down. And I I get it. You're a fast prospect, but, but to me, that just shows me that you're a man amongst boys, right? You're using your just speed. You know, it's kind of the demon Damas thing where he was just a man amongst, boys. he didn't even have to try Right. He just had to use what God gave him and be able to, to beat everybody else out on the field. Right. So, so I'm, I'm definitely high on Travion. I think he's, he's showing some exceptional things, um, uh, other running backs I like I was really big on the on the, on the NC on the North Carolina duo. Um, I really liked Kamaro Edmonds uh, coming in early on um, especially for early production I thought he was maybe gonna gonna claim a little bit of that I love I love watching his tape but um, his final uh, high school game I think it was in April this year or something like that he actually severely sprained or damaged his ankle pretty bad um, tried to come back in um, didn't look right have actually ended up losing uh, the game. Um, so he actually had to uh, abandon running track. He wanted to run track for uh, for uh, North Carolina this year. He had to abandon it. So I'm still sitting here kind of wondering where where his ankle is at. A- and in his stead, another guy that I that I kind of like was Caleb Hood, a running back, who, who's a nice deep sleeper for, for C2C. Okay, this guy was a convert, converted quarterback. Um, he's a 230-pound guy, I think 5'11", has a verified 4.5340. Um, he's got some great early reports out of camp. There's going to be a learning curve there for a guy who's a converted quarterback. But, I mean if anything it's almost like these guys should start getting closer together or we should start you know taking Caleb Hood a little bit more too if we if we were that big on Kamaro Edmonds and this game and, and this running system I really think Kamaro Hood could be the secret value here
0: yeah I I like Caleb Hood a lot too he's a guy that um I, I love converted converted running back or converted quarterbacks into running backs um I just feel like they have an extra layer of vision um that you know, not a lot of high school running backs usually have. Yeah. So they're already ahead of the game in that aspect. And then plus when they're athletic like that too, you know, I think that bodes really well. And he was able to bulk up uh too, you know, he was able to put on the, the necessary weight to get up to a point where now he's running back size. Uh, so I love the Caleb hood call. Kamaro Edmonds is a guy that I liked a lot too. Um Just the combination of, you know, not getting on campus early, playing as spring Football season for North Carolina uh high school and, you know, hurting his ankle. It's just kind of been a, a recipe to, to have him drop and maybe not come out of the gates quite as hot, but definitely a name to keep in mind for for next year as well. Um I feel like you kind of nailed it with with running back, though. You know, it's it's Travion and then it's everyone else.
1: Yeah, I pretty think, much.
0: I think quarterback very similar to it's Caleb Williams. And then just kind of a cluster of everybody else, you know, take whoever, whoever you want there to that next group of guys like Ty Thompson, JJ McCarthy, Sam Heward, Jackson Dart's working his way up into there too, Kyle McCord, um, I'm a big Preston Stone guy, but none of those guys are, I don't love any of those guys. Jackson Dart is a guy that I like a lot, um, but I don't really love any of those guys. Same with running backs behind Travion, I don't love any of them. Yeah. Wide receivers, the Bama guys, the Ohio State guys, uh, you know, there's some other guys sprinkled in here, but again, pretty top heavy. So I think that 2024 is shaping up to be a class that is I think they're going to underwhelm in some aspects because you have to figure some of these guys are going to bust. Some of these guys are going to transfer out. Not all of the Bama guys are going to hit. This isn't, you know, Jerry, Judy, Ruggs, Waddle, Devonta Smith. You can only do that so many times, I think. Right.
1: Right. Right. I, a hundred percent agree with you there. I mean, and you look at the classes, I mean, especially you look at LSU and you look at, at, Bama and they've each got like, like three guys coming in three, three or four guys, whatever. So it's like, we still need time to decide to, to, to see who's going to come up, who's going to go down, who's going to get injured, who's going to maybe transfer, who's going to whatever. So all you can do right now is a lot of projection. You know, 2024, very hard class to rank. I know. I mean, I know that, um, me and Austin been a long time on a gear hall. It's number one. I mean, I remember last year I actually got him, got some shares last cycle. Cause I have a few Devi leagues that allow you to take whoever the hell you want. You can take a guy in middle school if you wanted to. So when he actually committed to Bama, I, uh, I was pretty early in, in the recruiting cycle last year. I took him in a couple of leagues, So I'm actually pretty uh, sitting, pretty in a couple of leagues with him as like, a, I think he was a fifth rounder and a depleted draft, you know, like five or six right. years down the route, he was a fifth rounder. So, I mean, it was, it was like a throwaway pick. It was, it was nothing. And now I've got a guy who's going, you know, in the second round of startup. So, I mean, I'm pretty happy there. I'm pretty, pretty happy with a hall. I, I, he's the one guy that I am feeling very strong about. Um, he's been able to make an impression and, and we love to see that, right? We love to see a guy who's able to make an impression with a lot of other talent there. I mean, uh, the on Holden is no is no uh, slouch either. You only know, got Slade Bolden still there. And I know you got Jameson Williams coming in as well. So it's, it's going to be hard to see what kind of impact he has. And then you still got uh, Mechie there. But but seeing a Aguille already get a lot of this hype, it's making me feel pretty good about him having at least a role this year. You know, maybe he's like a Jalen Waddle freshman season where he's like the second leading receiver or something. You know what I mean? But um, he is the one guy that I'm pretty big on. And, and the only other guy that I am hitching my wagon to a little bit here is out of the LSU trio is Chris Hilton. I know I've seen a lot of guys, uh, coming on to him a little bit more, uh, slowly throughout the process, but again, it's, it's just the athleticism. This guy was a high jump, uh, state champion. um, track uh track titles as well in the 400 uh, i think in the 102 um even just recently i think he just won state titles coming out of uh, coming out of this year in, in both those things so I, I actually see a lot of garrett wilson in his game especially with that leaping ability like you see him go up and get it that was one of the things i loved seeing from garrett wilson back in the day watching his tape is just like he explodes into the air. You can tell there's a lot of explosion there, a lot of vert. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see if these guys hit, you know, 40-inch verts by the time the NFL comes around. So, I mean, uh, those are the two guys I've hitched my wagon to on the wide receiver side so far at least. And and with, with the quarterbacks, like you said, it's a lot of names that – and I still have to do a lot of study on these guys. I mean, <laughs> the only thing, the only thing that I'm taking right now is Caleb Williams early because all you're guaranteed right now is you take Caleb Williams – and he's guaranteed to go up in value next year. You have no loss of value at all. There's no way you're going to lose value because he's not even going to play a freaking down unless Rattler gets hurt, right? And just by virtue of being the next OU quarterback and Rattler's going to go first, and these guys have all gone first, his value is going to already spike up. He's going to go from wherever he is to a first-round pick, you know what I mean? Or it's going to at least hold steady. You're not going to lose value. So that's the one guy I'll be in on for this year if I am going to take a guy that far in the, at the quarterback position
0: yeah I, I i was a little bit late to the Caleb williams train here because like i i was watching his high school tape and he leaves a lot to be desired as a passer i mean he's a big arm but he doesn't really read the defense that well he, you know he, he was kind of just one speed as a passer too he didn't really you know did, did show a lot of touch like on the intermediate areas i mean i feel like every quarterback nowadays coming out of high school has like good touch on deep balls but I want to see guys kind of various speeds in the intermediate area. I want to see him kind of lofted over linebackers. You know, I want to see him be able to take something off of it and not just throw a fastball. Yeah. I feel like that's what I saw out of Caleb Williams. So, you know, he when was I was...
1: Very, oh, he was very reminiscent of uh, of Jalen Hurts, really. Yeah.
0: Yeah, when I, when I was looking at that, I, you know, I was thinking about his NFL future. I wasn't thinking about the Lincoln Riley effect. And like you said, he's not going to lose value. So, right.
1: Yeah. And that's the only thing you're guaranteed that even if you don't think that he's going to stay on your team forever, even if you're not planning on, on keeping him, whatever, there's no way that value is going to go anywhere. You'll be able to move him next year or move him mid season or whatever. I mean, you just tell somebody he's the next OU quarterback and they'll
0: want him. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I think, That is going to do it here for us tonight, man. This was, this was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun tonight, man. I thought, I felt like the convo just flowed that this was, this was great. Phenomenal guest. You got to do more pods, my man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate you having me on, you know, I've been,
1: uh, I've been working myself slowly into getting a little more pods, you know, uh, getting myself out there. I still fumble over my words a little bit here and there, but, uh, but I'm enjoying it. I love talking with guys like you, um, your whole crew over there. I've really gotten to know a lot of the guys from campus to Canton as you guys have kind of come up, you know, I was actually talking to you all separately before all of a sudden I realized <laughs> you're all in one group
0: together. And I'm like, Holy crap,
1: doing like some big things. So, I mean, you guys are doing amazing things over there. I can't thank you enough for having me on. And it's been a blast, honestly.
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, So, you know, you you talked a little bit about what we're doing here, man, but you're doing a ton of great stuff, too, there over at the dashboard, over at Breakout Finder. Um, Tell us a little bit about here, what you're working on here quick.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a busy year for me. Um, I'm moving. I'm getting a house built. I just had a kid. Uh, My job is insane. If anybody out there knows how (laughs) what, what concrete cutting is. Uh, you know, like the lines on the road. I It's like 80 hours a week, 85 hours. It's insane, but, but it makes a lot of money and I love it. Um, but I'm trying to get back into writing. Um, I just released my annual sleeper list. We, we, we uh, kind of touched on it here a little bit uh, in the middle of the show um, over at Breakout Finder. Uh, I'm also putting out a lot of different articles out there. Um, stock market for Debbie players who are going up and down um small school prospects so head over there check it out uh, last year sleeper list we hit on trail on burks and we got kylan granson who ended up getting drafted who's getting some hype this year so i mean maybe i can hit on somebody good again go over there and check it out and uh, other than that i've been busy with uh, the Devi dashboard uh just came on board with brandon lejeune and Britt sanders two of the guys who, uh two guys who i've uh, had the pleasure of getting to know over the last two years Britt is a very very smart dynasty mind um brandon is a very smart guy uh i've been i was listening to him long before i was even thinking about becoming an analyst in this in this thing i uh, uh i think he was my most played podcast for a long time on my uh, spotify um so it, it's a it's uh, it, it's a dream come true to be working with him because i just love talking with guys who who know their stuff um Love to just watch the game from different angles. Don't have, don't have an ego about them. And these guys are, are truly like that. And I really enjoy working with them. So we've got a couple of videos out there. Debbie Sleepers, Debbie Sells, Debbie Buys. Uh, we're doing film work. Uh, we looked at Kevin Harris. We looked at Drake London. We looked at Zay Flowers. Head over to the Debbie Dashboard YouTube uh, channel. Check out all the scouting there. See uh, what we think on these players. And uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at, at FFGuitars for uh, whatever. NFL, Draft, Debbie, or just to talk, whatever. I'm always down to talk
0: yeah you are man like i said you one of the one of the first guys i really interacted with on twitter i always appreciate that never forget that you guys you know like debbie dispensary was one of my go-to pods for a while <laughs> debbie da- uh Devi deep dive for brandon lejeune was too you know i was those were my two big first debbie pods that i got into uh so you know you guys i utmost respect for what you guys are doing over there at the debbie dashboard um constantly pumping out content great content great community over there those youtube videos second to none um so you know thanks again for hopping on man i, I really appreciate that um just two things quick to touch on here on our end before we head out we uh campus the Canton crew is going to the uh fantasy sports the fantasy football expo on the 15th uh we're going to be presenting. Uh, we have a, a table there. We're one of the sponsors, so definitely, if you're going to the expo, check us out. Connect with us. Uh, you know, we'd love to just talk shop with smart guys like Corey. Uh, you know, anybody else out there, Corey? You going to the expo at all?
1: I'm not, man. You're know, in Canada. Not. We're having a little more trouble getting down there right now with uh, this COVID and everything. So I'm locked here, but uh, maybe one year I'd love to get out there.
0: Fair enough. Next year, I'll see you next there. year. Next okay. year, man yeah, book book it. It. yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first cory is coming to the expo next year um <laughs> also uh yeah check out the uh c2c family of pods um you know alfred's why wait till sunday alfred
1: i <laughs> love that guy, uh, love
0: that guy. <laughs> <laughs> alfred was also one of the first guys i interacted with on twitter too alfred great dude yeah um, great follow too i love his, his yeah.
1: quirky stuff on um, oh twitter. yeah it's nice yeah <laughs>
0: um Debbie debate uh over there with uh Austin Felix and Matt always great content over there they're always bringing up interesting discussions uh mm-hmm. we got the uh fantasy football roundtable uh with Matt Bruning and Matthew Fox um and definitely check those out they're constantly pumping out content throughout the week here um keep an eye out for our midweek show Austin is still going to be on vacation uh I do not have a guest as of yet lined up I'm still working out some things on that end um, but we'll, we'll definitely be bringing a show either way. Um, so I think that's going to do it here for me. Once again, thank you, Corey. Really appreciate you hopping on, uh, at FF underscore guitarist on Twitter. Give him a follow if you're not already. Uh, but that is going to do it for us. Have a good one guys.